Shalom mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, and that's what it means, family. And we're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jews and Gentiles. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form what Paul says, a new species of humanity, the full body of Messiah, a new creation. And I can't think of anyone better to teach on the new than an African that's been touched by the Spirit of God. Uh, Dr. Francis Miles, why is it that the Africans I meet that really sell out to the kingdom get it better than most of us here in the West? Well, Sid, uh, first and foremost, I'm excited to be on this amazing radio show. Uh, In answer to your question, I believe, Sid, it's because um, in Africa, we are born in a culture that is steeped with the supernatural. The only difference is uh, it's a supernatural that is tilted towards the enemy. I grew up knowing the devil existed, seeing the uh, the lying, lying signs and wonders of witch doctors and people that believed in the occult right in front of my eyes that you could not deny the fact that there's a supernatural world out there. So when we do get born again, we are already aware there's another spirit world beyond the world we live in. So it's very easy for us as Africans to engage a supernatural God. Well, you, you, you have an advantage over us, but that's why God's raised you up to teach us so that we can, we can walk in that invisible world just as you do and all all the great men and women of God from Africa, uh, I want to take you uh, back. You're 18 years of age, uh, and uh, you you break out with painful boils. I guess you're wasting away. You're uh, under 100 pounds. Uh, You go to doctors. They can't help you. You even go to witch doctors. They can't help you. Uh, You had a Catholic background. Uh, but you bump into a friend that was a real radical guy, I mean, for for evil and fun and not interested in things of God, uh, and there was a total transformation in him. Uh, what did you think when you heard about this transformation? I, you know, because the guy, the brother was so radical. I mean, if you talk about the ultimate bad student, in class, in school. The ultimate uh, bad student, okay. <laughs> you know, this was a guy you didn't want to be part of. I mean, you, know, you, you, you knew I, I, I befriend this guy, my grades go down, I get more in trouble with the, with the principal and the teachers. He was radical. And all of a sudden, seed, he's a saint. So I'm thinking something is wrong with this guy. Either he's pretending there's no way this guy... But all of a sudden, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to wear out. It's got to wear out. He's either maybe smoking something or he's again up to one of his pranks because he was known for pranks. But it was not a prank. You know, um, after a few weeks, you could see that the man had changed. And uh, when you talk to him in his eyes, you could see the sincerity. And his love for Jesus was, uh, was, uh, was contagious. And... Uh, me being a Catholic, I was threatened by the passion because I'd never met a religious person with that kind of passion and who came across as if he's found something that I, you know. And so just out of fear, I mean, I would run away from him. 
But I, at the back of my mind, I've been thinking, wow, he's got something. You know, but I'm Catholic, so I... Oh, okay, so he did what uh, Gentiles are supposed to do to Jews. He provoked you to jealousy. And one day he tells you, if you come to my church, you'll be healed. Now, how bad was your condition? Would you Was it terminal, or was it just a lot of pain? Well, I believe that it was at the point at which was in, the Lord was using this brother to intercept me, I mean, it was becoming terminal because I'm at under 100, 100 pounds and it's not getting better. See, this is not like you are, you are not feeling good uh, for an hour and then the, the, the other part you, you feel a little bit better. This was constant, unrelenting torture, a disease you learn to live with because if I did not, I would not have gone through school. It was 24 hours. And so I would go to school in the pen, I would walk back to school in the pen. I mean, sometimes, like I said, this pain would be so intense, it would, it would force boils to appear in my face, on my body. It was horrible, and he could see I was wasting away. Everybody could see I was wasting away. Oh, oh okay. So you go to his Assembly of God Church uh, to find healing, but you were, from what I understand, you were overcome with the Spirit of God. Explain to me what it was like. Yes, when I visit his church, you know, you must, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic, and I have never been to a church where the whole place is saturated with passion for Jesus, that I didn't even know people in the pews were supposed to have a response towards the Word of God that is going forth. I go in this place, everybody looked very, very happy. I'd never seen so many happy Christians in my life, <laughs> you know, and they were singing at high notes, they were celebrating it was all new to me. And then when the preacher came up and began to talk about the Messiah, I'd never had anybody make the Messiah that real, that personal, that reachable. I don't, you know, when he called for the outer call, I was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. I mean, I lost all fears. And I just, all I knew, I have to get this Jesus. You know, and, uh, you know, he talked about if you love Jesus, you know, when the time comes for you to die, you go to heaven. And I'm thinking, I'm almost there. Might <laughs> as well get Jesus now. And I just, and, and before I knew it, I was one of the first people at the altar in this 500-member Assemblies of God Church. So you get as radical as them, but you weren't healed. However, in September of 1989, uh, you, you were sleeping on a floor bed, uh, and all of a sudden— your body was heating up. What happened? Yes. All of a sudden, you know, I am, I am, I've, I've gone to bed in this excruciating pain that has become the normal part of my life. Then he, without any uh, fanfare, unannounced, all of a sudden I'm sleeping on this, on, the, on the, this bed on the floor, and a white beam of light, white beam of light, I mean, pierces the darkness into the room and goes straight from my head, see? And it goes all the way inside my body. And the next moment I know is my body is being unzipped, the way you would unzip a luggage, you know, a luggage for, you know, just right. zipped. And then my spirit was put out. Hmm. Your spirit slipped right out of your body. See, looking at my lifeless body, but I was, I, 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 I was wow, I'm thinking... 
is this my death? Am I, am I getting out of here? Because I was aware of everything. I could see the house I lived in. I mean, my, the, my awareness was like a million times the awareness I have, I have in the body. You know, it was incredible. I was aware of everything. Uh, and uh, the glory of God just, I know, pushed me out. Okay. So, and then you started rising up to uh, the ceiling. What happened? Yes, what happens now is the now I, I look at my, my my spirit. I mean, I'm it's covered in in glory. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I, I for the first time in my life I see my spirit. You know. Now, did your did your spirit look exactly like your body? Yes, it, might, it was very interesting. My spirit looked like my body. You know, I'm like, wow, the features. I mean, it was very interesting. It's like my body. It's almost like when when actors put on facials and they change the the way they look, how the molding molding of the outer um, uh, come up uh, uh, facials look like uh, the actual person to try to. It's like it's almost like my spirit as, is the one that made formation on my. It was very interesting. Anyway, then I started walking out of the. Uh, I, 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 the glory that put me out, I, I just felt I knew I had to go out. So I began to go. The, there were two doors to get outside the house, of this house I lived in. All the doors opened by themselves. I mean, no, I mean, just, just opened, just in front of me. As my spirit would get close to the door, it opened. The next one, it opened, and I was outside. Then I was pulled by the glory God to the top of the roof of the house. Then that's where, when I get to the top of the roof of the house, that's where I come face to face with the demonic prince. I find this is a demon, a demonic prince standing on the roof. And I tell you, what was interesting is there was no fear inside of me, which was very unusual because before I used to be very afraid of witchcraft because I'd seen the power of witchcraft seed on my own life. It was killing me for God's sake. And I'd seen it growing up and I'd seen it glorified. The power of the enemy is glorified to such a degree you, are, you live in fear of what the enemy can do. But in this glory realm, as my spirit is standing in front of a demonic prince, I look at him and my spirit scans this, the demonic principality and I know who he is. I know this is a demonic spirit. He, doesn't, he hates me, but there's still no fear inside of me. Look at his eyes. I have never seen a sea of hate, a river of hate. It was liquid hate coming out of the eyes of this demon that it looked at me, and I knew, oh my God, this thing hates me. But still, there was, a, uh, uh, there was no fear. And so, while we are, we are, we are checking each, up, we, each other out, all of a sudden, in the heavens, began to open up, almost like a, a, a portal began to open up in the heavens. And as the portal, we both looked up. I looked up, the demonic prince looked up, and there was this hole being pierced in the heavens. And I tell you, the brilliant white light that had come for me, in the, the, the white, white light, like the one that had come for me in my bedroom, began to uh, break out of the portal that was opening. And I'm telling you, Sid, it was the brightest light I've ever seen in my life, so much that I could see, I could see little objects in the neighbor's yard. And I'm thinking, my God, there's no way... People don't wake up. Everybody's going to wake up and see what's going on. Because I thought everybody was seeing this glory. I could see everything. I mean, it was incredible. And then all of a sudden, in this portal that has just opened up and covered the, the neighborhood that I was in, there comes a, a beautiful, majestic, 
golden hand of a man. I'll tell you what, hold that thought. I am so excited to make available to you. You've had lots of teaching on breaking generational curses, but you've never had teaching like this. This is how you can break all generational curses permanently and open yourself up to the blessings of Abraham, the revelation that Dr. Miles has, it's transforming lives. We have his book, Breaking Generational Curses, and then the CDs where he actually prays the blessings of Abraham after you totally comprehend it. It's all revelation. You've probably never heard anything like this before. And then he prays to break the generational curses and how you can open yourself up to the blessings of God available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. I I imagine the freedom you felt, Francis, had to be so phenomenal when you slipped out of your earth suit. What was that freedom like? Oh, my. Uh, Sid, it was (laughs) freedom of freedom. You know, I've never been any more alive. I've I've never been any more alive than I was in that moment because people, we have no, uh, people don't realize just how much our fallen human body has not yet been, res- has not yet been glorified because you know the, our body will eventually be glorified. But right. our spirit has already ascended when you are born again into, into becoming one with the Messiah. Okay, so you're slipping up and then a golden hand reaches out because uh, you're involved in warfare with a, uh, a top demon, uh, a demon prince, uh, and you don't know what to do, and this golden hand reaches out, and then what happens? Yes, so this golden hand reaches out, and what I see about the golden hand is there is a nail imprint, you know, a big hole where the, you could see there was a nail imprint, and I knew instantly this was the hand of the Lord, of the Messiah, you know, and uh, it, 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 so it, it stays up in the air, you know, and as soon as it stood up in the air, <clears throat> the Lord begins to talk to me. You know, he says, he says to me, son, this is the demonic prince who was assigned to kill you before your time. But you will live and not die. You know, and, uh, and all of a sudden, while he's talking to me, you know, uh, this demonic prince lashes for me. I mean, and so uh, we begin to go into a wrestling match right in the presence of the hand of God, you know, of the hand of the Messiah and the glory of God that surrounds this entire event. But again, there's no fear inside of me. You know, uh, while we were uh, uh, fight, I'm fighting this demonic prince. It's, it's like the battle is, is 50-50. He can't overpower me. I can't really overpower him. But there's, but there's no fear in me. Then all of a sudden, a door opens. In the middle of the, of the Messiah's land, a door opens, and a scroll comes out. A scroll came out, and then what? A scroll comes out. A blue scroll comes out of his golden hand. He, it's like a door just opens up. In the middle of his hand, a door opens up, and the scroll comes out. And then he speaks, he speaks to me. He says, son, use my word. And the scroll comes out, and see, it went right from the top of my head into the word, went from my, I caught it, 
I mean, when, when, when the scroll came, I caught it, and then the scroll went into me. I mean, completely filled me up. And all of a sudden, you must remember when this encounter is happening, I'm only one month born again. So I'm a baby in Christ when it comes to the Word. So the only scripture I know is John 3, 16. That's the only one that I can memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever shall be, believes him shall not, shall, not, that shall not perish. That's the only scripture that I know I see that at this point. And so I say it. It comes out and I say it. And I was shocked to see the authority of the word. I had never, all of a sudden when I said it, there was a lightning, I mean, a lightning from one end of the heavens to the next. And then it thundered. I'm telling you, it's almost like if, if you have ever had a thunderstorm, well, you multiply that thunderstorm by a million times. The sound of it was paralyzing. I thought everybody in the neighborhood is going to jump out of bed. It was so <laughs> powerful. The next moment, all I know is a demonic prince is falling to my to my feet, lying prostrate before me, shaking, shaking. Literally, the demon was shaking from head to toe with fear, and I could smell his fear. So you're telling me that demon was afraid of the Word of God. He, he was afraid of the Word of God because when before the Word, our fight was 50-50. He couldn't bring yes. me down. I couldn't pin him down. But as soon as the Lord said, Son, take the Word. When the Word came into me and I just quoted one verse— that you will not even associate with spiritual warfare. You know, most people we know about that as a salvation scripture, but very rarely can you associate John 3.16 as a scripture you'd use to fight a demon, and that's what God used. The Word is so powerful, and you, as a, as a baby believer, you began to understand. So, you, so, uh, so the demon uh, shakes and runs away in fear from the Word of God. You slip back into your body, and I understand that, you went, uh, that before this experience, you were under 100 pounds, and you were wasting away. You were in a horrible pain, sores all over your body. When you got back into your body, what happened to your sickness? Oh, my God. As soon as I got back in the body, I, I, I woke up, and I, and I knew instantly something was different about my body. The pain I'd lived with for three years, constantly, unyielding was gone, Said, You know, and the boils began to slowly uh, uh, wear away by the morning the, the boils were all gone by the morning? By the morning, everything was gone. I, I, I'll tell you, the impact that that had on you, you end up in Bible school. But you have a problem. They have a camp meeting, and it's a bunch of white pastors, and you've had so much discrimination in your life, uh, you don't want anything to do with it. But uh, God had something else in mind. Uh, you, you get up. You go to pray. You're at a nice hotel just before you're going to speak. You don't know what to do except give these white pastors the business for being so anti-black and so insensitive to you. Uh, And all of a sudden you're praying and you see a white couple right by you. What happened? Oh, yes. So, uh, you know, I am. Uh, I have gone through in, incredible racial prejudice as a black man living in a, at the Bible College, where there was it was on all white for the most part, and this is in South Africa. 
So what ends up happening is I become very, very bitter towards white people. I mean, extremely bitter. And my hatred for white people, my unforgiveness rises. And so one of my uh, uh, white pastors, you know, one of the uh, uh, calls me and says, Francis, there is an all-white pastor conference in Johannesburg. I, they asked me to speak, but I declined, and I offered your name, so you're going to be in my spot. Would you like to go? And I'm like, glory to God, because I'm thinking this is God's vindication of my treatment, and I'm going to tell these white pastors what they, sh- they should have been hearing. I mean, I was, it was not going to be a gracious, messianic message about the love of God. I was a bitter man. But on our way to the, white, to the pastor's conference, my friend has an idea. I said, I want to treat you to an old five-star hotel in a game park. And uh, so, you know, we get over there. Fast forward, uh, in the evening, I feel like, well, I need to go and pray. And I'm praying in the bushes, you know, of this uh, hotel that I'd get na- surrounded by National Game Park. I become aware that I'm being watched behind me. And I turned around. It was this white couple. And so what I did, see, I just kept quiet. I thought, well, if I keep quiet because I was praying in tongues. If I keep quiet, they'll just pass, be, pass by me and just go on their way, you know. And instead, two minutes, two awkward minutes go by, and they're watching me. And I'm like, God, why are they watching me? What the, can they just pass by me and go on their way? And the Holy Spirit says, that's because they are stuck by my power on that spot. He said to me, I will not let them pass you until you minister to them prophetically. See, I was so bad, I said no to the Holy Ghost. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, these are white people. These are the people that have hurt me. Why do you want me to minister to these people that have hurt me? And you know, I mean, I gave all kinds of excuses. And the Holy Spirit said, no, son, you have to minister to them. And then instantly, I had a vision. As As I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit... I have a prophetic vision. I see the woman coming out of the doctor's office, and she's crying. And then the Holy Spirit said, this man you see, this man you see, is here at this resort to comfort his dear wife. Because this week, the doctor told her she'll never be able to bear children, and it's all she's ever wanted to be a mother. But you are a prophet. If you pray for her and prophesy the word of the Lord over her, I will heal her, and I'll give her a baby boy. And I saw another vision. She's holding a beautiful white baby boy. This is not what I was expecting. This is not what I wanted, but that's what's happening. Okay, so you, you're ready to give this prophetic word and pray for them to have a child after the devastating news they got. And because of his prejudice, he says no. However, a little later, the Holy Spirit forces you to go back to him, and he said yes. And you pray for him, and what happened? Oh, yeah. So, so I, I, when he finally says yes, uh, after having said no, it, I, after he says yes, you know, as I'm looking at them, all of a sudden, Sid, I feel like a vial of liquid love. I mean, liquid love, a vial of liquid love is being poured from my forehead. It was the most overpowering love I've ever felt. I'll tell you what, hold that thought. We'll pick up right there on tomorrow's broadcast. This liquid oil, Francis, was God's love. Tell me what happened. Yeah, so I have this vial of liquid love being poured from my head, Steve. 
And as it comes down my head, I become aware, even in my head, people don't know that the love of God is the most powerful force in creation. That when it begins to function, even the, my mind became alive. I mean, I became alive. I knew as it went through my mind, I knew how much God loved me. I was no longer an, um, in doubt about how he loved me, but instantaneously, I also knew in my mind how he loved the, the white people that had hurt me, that I was bitter against, that I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to exact vengeance against. I was aware just how deeply he loved them in my mind. But then by the time, see, the liquid love got to my heart. I was done because now my emotions get deluged by the love of God. And I look at this white couple that I don't want to love at this point because I feel like, you know, if loving them right now is going to rob me of the ammunition, I'm going to, I need to be a little bit angry when I speak to this uh, white pastor the following day. But you see, it's, it, God had a better plan. So as the, love, as the liquid love covered my heart, all of a sudden, Sid, I loved this white couple like I have never loved a human, be human beings ever. It was total love. I didn't care at that moment what they did to me. I just knew I loved them with everything. I, I have to ask you this. That is wonderful in that situation. But has it continued? Do you walk in this kind of compassion and love right now today? You know what? And to glory to God, that's what happened. When they baptized him, because afterwards the Holy Spirit says, what you have, I've given you today is a baptism of love. There is a baptism of love in the kingdom. And I tell you, since that day, you know, uh, I'm human like everybody else, but it's very difficult to uh, uh, get me offended uh, where it goes into the next day. I just... It just slides off me. I love God's people. I love God's people. It's the gift that remained. It's a gift that remained. Yes, I, uh, it's beautiful to be, to be able to be in a place like that, only to the glory of God. Now, let me ask you, because this is so, so imperative. It's so important. God gave you a revelation on generational curses. I have never, ever heard anyone teach it the way you teach it. Uh, did this just kind of evolve, or how did you get this revelation? I got this revelation. He said, after I wrote my first book, The Order of Melchizedek, the Lord, uh, I, I had a couple of businessmen who came to visit me in Texas, and uh, I just remembered that I forgot something. Uh, we were at a we resort. So I forgot something at the, in the parking lot, so I, went, I rushed to go and get it at late, around 10 p.m., when I got the staff out of my car, as I was walking out. The glory of God, the form, the form of the Messiah, just stood next. To, I could see it. I could see it with my spiritual eyes. He was standing next to me, and in white garments. And he said to me, "Son, let's walk. Let's take a walk." So he walks me. The Lord is walking me back to the road, to the to the resort, and then he says to me, "It is time." So what is time? That it is time for my people to experience genetic salvation. I said, what is genetic? Now, now I, know, I know about salvation, but what is, what is genetic salvation? <laughs> he says genetic salvation, son, is when the finished work of the cross is applied to the healing of your genetics so that the enemy no longer has a door in your, gener in your genes to, to impeach or delay the fulfillment of your destiny here on earth. What are the types of curses that because of this uh, genetic deficiency that goes... Now, see, I've heard about people going back four generations, because it actually says, uh, you know, that in the Bible. But what the Lord showed you 
was you go back all the generations to Adam. Yes. You know, the, 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 the Lord said to me, the whole teaching he gave to me is this. He said, son, there are two Adams. There are two Adams, and each of those two Adams have their own genetic template. He, says, he, he said, my people are born again, but they are still holding on to the genetics of the first Adam. Meanwhile, they are in me, and I'm the last Adam. So we're kind of schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like Paul said in Romans, I'm doing what I don't want to do. <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. But, you know, thank God, the Apostle Paul who said that seed ended up by saying, thank God for the Jewish Messiah. Thank God that the Messiah has a solution for me. So it ends, the, Romans 7 ends in a triumphant for a, a, a cry of victory for the, Christian, for the, for the born-again believers because the Messiah, the last Adam, has a whole new genetic bloodline for us. We don't have to live in the genetic bloodline line of the first Adam. What are some of the curses uh, that people can have from their genetic bloodline? Well, uh, uh, bankruptcy. I mean, I have, I, I have, I, 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 we prayed for a guy in, uh, in Austin, Texas, who every business he would start, before, before he, was a, he was a savvy businessman, every business he would start failed. I mean, brilliant business, four in a row, almost wiped him out financially. The fifth business, he told his sister, I, I, I mean, uh, I, I, if this one fails, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done with business. So uh, the man jumped the line, because when people jump the, the line, it's a prophetic act that they're jumping out of the genetics of the last Adam, and they're jumping into the genetics inheritance that Yeshua purchased on the cross. And that's why the miracles happen, because the genetics of Jesus have no curse attached to them. So what happened to the man in Austin, as soon as he did that, he got, within a couple of weeks, he got an offer for, for, uh, from another businessman to buy off his company, his very young company, for $5 million. You know, and I believe, I believe from my understanding he took it. So there are cases that are financial. There are cases that, are, that, 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 that are cause people to have blood disorders. Uh, we've seen uh, a woman who had rheumatoid arthritis. R- rheumatoid arthritis, what happened? She had it so bad, she said, we asked on a scale of 1 to 20, how bad is your rheumatoid arthritis? She said 20 plus. There are days I cry to Jesus to cut off my legs. Well, we thought, God, God taught me, son, it's genetic. You know, she gives up the genetics of the first Adam and comes into my genetics. You see what can happen right in front of you. And she, got, she, she jumped the line in front of a pastor in Austin, Texas. The woman could hardly walk. She began to run. See, I mean, she began to run totally healed from 20 years of very egregious rheumatoid arthritis that had even killed some of our family members in the past. So we know that uh, these, uh, they are different. They can come from different angles. Some people, it's, it, it, they have got generational curses where the iniquity that's attached to them does not allow women in the family to get married, you know, no matter how beautiful they are. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of curses that, that can be attached to the genetics of the first Adam. That's why Yeshua... The... Uh, even a propensity towards addictions of all kinds. Uh, how about something like homosexuality? Oh, yes. You know, even something like that, because, as you know, that's an, an unnatural 
behavior, God said to me, he said, much of what you, you people, you guys call the gay lifestyle is because of the malfunction of the genetics within the first... Yeah, you know, I believe that so many homosexuals will be set free from this, but people addicted to anything are going to be set free. People are, are, are in their finances, in their families, uh, and the way you tie it in with the order of Melchizedek, uh, and you actually pray, and you take them step by step on how to break these generational curses, uh, and as you call it, I like that terminology, everyone needs genetic salvation. Uh, and how... How do these things keep passing on? Isn't it just good enough we believe in Jesus? Why isn't it just broken on that? Well, because Jesus told me this. He said, son, uh, the, word, the word generation, he said, is made up of two words, gene and ration. So a, so a generation curse, by definition then, the Lord said to me, is the ration of genes is a curse. It's a curse that's attached to your ration of genes. So it has nothing to do with your salvation. So this is what he told me. He said, that's why when you get born again, you must understand, you must give up those ration of genes. That, that just like uh, uh, when you came to the Lord. He said, son, everything in the new covenant is about confession. By confession, the way is made unto salvation. See, everybody, Jesus has paid the price seat for people to be born again and go to heaven. But they've got to be able to appropriate by confessing that, he is the, that he's the Messiah. Then all of a sudden, that they get saved in their soul. God said, it's the same way. You have to appropriate. But for as long as you keep saying, well, I am from, uh, I am from the Rockefeller family. That I am from this family. God says, you are taking ownership of the ration of genes that have made up part of that bloodline. And legally, the devil has a right then to come through those genetics to be able to hinder or at least delay your destiny from being fulfilled. Your, your teaching is so marvelous from the book of Romans on, on the fact that, uh, or even Galatians, I've been crucified with the Messiah. It's no longer I who live. You make it so clear. Uh, what feedback do you get from people that hear, oh, forget that question. We're out of time. He has a book two CDs, revelation on not just breaking the curses, but revelations on the blessings. And he prays this for you. The book will explain it step by step. It's called Breaking Generational Curses. It's going to restore your destiny and allow you to accomplish what God put you on this planet for. This is one of the most amazing revelations I've ever read, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. You've got a new identity. You have got a new spiritual DNA. And if you can just grasp this and by faith walk into it, you will achieve your destiny you're, all of the old stuff is going to fall off of you, and you can fulfill everything God has in store for you. Well, my guest, Dr. Francis Miles, had revelation on how people can break these curses all the way back to Adam in your family.
and how you can open yourself up to his revelation teaching on the blessings of Abraham. And he actually prays these, uh, these curses away, and he actually prays you to walk into the blessings. Uh, well, his name is Dr. Francis Miles, and um, I asked him because well, he had such an experience. I wish I had had, a, I had an experience, but I have to tell you, Francis, you have provoked me to jealousy. Just that one encounter you had where you saw the authority of the Word over the demons, you saw the real you, your spirit. I mean, that alone uh, catapulted you into another class. So miracles started happening. You, uh, you rented a thousand see tent. You went all over Africa. Tell me the first major miracle, uh, the, mo- the most exciting one you saw. Yes. One of the most exciting miracles I saw was I was doing a crusade in South Africa where they brought um, a woman who was known by everybody in the township because she lived in the Gara and at the, she would eat from dust. Uh, trash cans. It was incredible. She, she really lived in the gutter. Okay, go ahead. Yes, and they brought her to the crusade, and she was stinky. I mean, she was smelling. Man, people didn't even want to sit next to her, but there were two men who really were held on one left, on one side, on, on, on the other side, because she couldn't really sit. She was always all over the place. Finally, uh, at... Um, uh, and what was interesting in that same meeting, we had a witch doctor, who, a woman witch doctor, who came in the, in the crusade, and when I was preaching, she was saying, she was taunting and saying in Zulu, as, as one of the African languages, that there's no way miracles are going to happen today. She's binding the crusade. And I told my interpreter, just let her hang on. Jesus is not afraid of her, neither am I. There will be miracles today. So when the time to pray for the miracles came, they brought this woman that had been insane for over 20 years, was known by everybody, being held by people. And, uh, and when I got close to her, as soon as I looked at her, I, the, the smell disappeared, Seed, and the that liquid love that I experienced before came upon me, and I loved this woman who, who had been so bound. And as I looked at her, instantly the Lord gave me a vision. I saw her spirit surround, I saw through her body into her spirit, and I saw her spirit uh, uh, encased in what looked like a beehive of, of demons. Beehive. I saw many, many demons around her, 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 her spirit, like her spirit was squished in. And when, and when I looked at her spirit, her spirit actually spoke to me and said to me, help me, Francis. Literally, it was a, whoa. And then, and then God said to me, command the demons to unwind. So before I knew it, I, simple, I screamed and I said, you unclean spirit, unwind. And when I said unwind, it's like, an, it's like the angel of the Lord leached into her spirit. Seed and pulled one of the spirits, and then all of a sudden, as it's it's like a rope was being untied. These spirits were connected one to the other, and they were being pulled like a rope, the unwinding, unwinding, and like one strong, one wrong rope of spirits. They came out, and when they came out, the woman slumped back and started talking. She said, instantly, she was saying, she's like. What happened to me? And all of a sudden she realized she was not dressed properly and she was smelling. She said, I mean, the women in the meeting began to give her proper, I mean, it was incredible. The witch doctor ran out of the crusade. She was, uh, she <laughs> ran out. Well, in addition to miracles that are happening, can you imagine an insane person being totally transformed? She's in the, living in the gutter. She smells and she came to her senses and realized 
what shape she was in. But in addition to miracles that occur, uh, because you're fulfilling your destiny. It's my prayer that everyone listening to us will fulfill their destiny that God has for them. Uh, but you you hear some amazing prophecies. For instance, in 2007, uh, there was a young senator by the name of Barack Obama, and God gave you a prophetic dream. What did he show you? Yes. Uh, when during the, dem- the, the, the Democratic primaries, when, uh, when, Senate, when then Senator of New York Hillary Rodham Clinton was leading Barack Obama by 20 points in all the national polls, it looked like Hillary was really going to be the Democratic choice for presidency. I had a dream, you know, I had a dream. And in the dream, I, I dreamt that I was at the, the, the Democratic National Convention in Denver. I was an invited guest, which was interesting because, you know, I, 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 in my voting records, I normally vote Republican. But in the prophetic dream, I am at the Democratic National Convention. I'm invited in the dream. I'm invited there as a guest of the of the senator Barack Obama and then uh, in this in this in this in this prophetic dream uh, the Barack Obama is the one being nominated and he uh, he he comes up on stage and in the dream I saw Oprah and other well-known democrats uh, on 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 on, um, on on the on the platform suddenly in the in the prophetic dream presidential nominee Barack Obama walked to the podium to deliver his acceptance speech but then I noticed that he was speaking in a slur like a drunken man. I said to myself, Lord, my goodness, Lord, can these people see that they have nominated a man who's got a drinking problem? That's how it looked like to me in the dream, that he's, he's drunk. Why is he coming to, to his, his drunk? And suddenly in the, in the middle of his speech, he sobered up and then started speaking in tongues. Then I said, my goodness, he's now speaking in tongues. <laughs> then I saw Oprah stand up very angry against, with, uh, 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 against him for speaking in tongues in public, and she walked off the platform. So when the convention was finally over, I stood in line to greet the presidential nominee with his wife, Michelle, was passing by. When the president, when, when president, presidential nominee Obama got to me, he hugged me and said, man of God, thank you for your book that you autographed for me. Then he and Michelle moved on. I woke up immediately, and I said to the Lord, Lord, what is the meaning of this dream? And the Lord said, Barack Obama will beat Hillary and become president of the United States. The reason you saw Oprah on the stage is because she is one of the faces, one of the uh, most recognized faces of liberalism in America. It says Obama speaking with the, look, 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 looking like he was drunk represents the fact that in his first term, he's going to rule as a man drunk on liberalism and bring the nation into great transition. So, in effect, God told you before he would win that he would win, and he would move into that liberal position. Then what did God tell you? Yes. And then he says the fact that you saw him begin to speak in tongues in the middle of his acceptance speech means that that in his second term, in his second term, I desire to, to, I desire, uh, I, 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 I desire to feel him with, a, with my spirit instead of the liberalism that is presently uh, uh, um, intoxicated with. 
And then he said, the Lord said to me, this change will come at a great political cost for Obama because those who, re who readily embraced him for his liberal stand who reject him when he begins to turn to the, fa to the faith. So what you're telling me is you knew, number one, he would defeat uh, Hillary Clinton and win the first term. Number two, you were told he would win a second term. Uh, number three, you were told he would accomplish a very liberal agenda in his first term. Uh, and number four, you were told uh, that uh, now, is this going to happen or do we need to pray it to happen that he becomes sold out to the Lord in his second term? We need to pray because the Lord says, the Lord told me that there was a, he said there was a viable, there was a seed, there was a seed for viable faith in Christ in Obama's spirit that has never been natured. He said if, if, if nature, the seed of faith in his heart, could become America's deliverance, replacing the drunkenness of liberalism. I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God is, is coming all over me as you're saying this. I need you to pray a one-minute prayer, and I need everyone listening to us right now to agree that the seed of faith that is in President Obama would, would mature and mature quickly. Pray that, please. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we pray in the Messiah's name, who is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That Father, he is the one that taught me that yeah, this, uh, uh, our president would become president way before he, everybody thought he could ever become a president or even a nominee. But now we pray, Father, that as he's in his second term, that God, you would, we pray as a body of Christ that the, the reign of the Holy Spirit will nature the seed of faith in Christ that's in him, that has never been nurtured, that he would come alive and you find himself having a more authentic, radical faith in Christ Jesus that you will not be afraid to pay the price for. In, in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you something. After spending a week with Dr. Francis Miles on the radio, uh, if you're not red hot for the Messiah, there's something wrong with you. But uh, you've had some amazing prophecies and prophetic dreams, Francis. For instance, on yesterday's broadcast, we found out that you knew ahead of time that Senator Obama would be President Obama. He would win two terms, he, what his agenda was for his first term, and how God had put a seed of faith for him to believe in Jesus within him, that if we would stop cursing him with our mouths and and pray for his salvation, that the whole des his whole destiny, the whole destiny of America could be transformed. What a vision! But then in 2011, you had a vision of the Muslim agenda for Europe. What was that? Yes, I went to in October uh, of 2011. I I flew to London to host a school of ministry. And uh, what I was praying at the hotel for the evening service, I had a very moving prophetic vision, Sid. I saw thousands of Europeans, primarily Caucasian Europeans, standing in long lines with their bags packed at the airport. Now, in the prophetic dream, in the prophetic vision, I had a sense in the vision that what I was observing was not isolated to one European country. It was actually happening everywhere in Europe. I saw that all the Europeans who were standing in long lines at the airport seat, hoping to catch a plane out of the country, had very distressed faces. So I asked the Lord to explain to me what I was seeing. He said, son, what you are looking at is the future Satan has planned for Europe. This is the rise of the Ishmael agenda. So the people that were leaving, why were they, uh, why were they leaving? 
Well, uh, the Lord said they were leaving, because uh, 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 I said to the Lord, Lord, what is the Ishmael agenda? He said the Ishmael agenda is a very sophisticated plan to take over Europe by Muslim intellectuals. That while the rest of the world and the news media are focused on the jihadists who are, who are like the dogs of war, the real power players, God says, are moving in stealth to take over Europe. And he says many Europeans will be, dis will be disinherited and driven out of the land of, the of their nativity as the Ishmael agenda marches on. That's what the Lord said. So, in effect, people like Christians or people that did not want to be under uh, Sharia law, they were the ones that were trying to leave. Yes, because they, because in the in the in the vision they they were shocked how dramatically Europe had changed. It was no longer a place that freedom loving people could live in, and they were leaving the country to migrate to other nations. You know, and so 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 when the Lord showed me this, uh, I also saw in the vision Muslim men in Muslim garb gathered in what looked like a situation room, and they were looking over the map of Europe and they were strategizing. I, I asked the Lord if Europe, I, then I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is Europe already lost to the Ishmael agenda? Is this no hope? Is this all? Is Europe lost? The Lord declared, no, I have a plan to, to, to thwart the Ishmael agenda. I'll raise an Isaac church in Europe to stem the rising tide of the Ishmael agenda in Europe. It says, my people would rise up and pray. I will raise an Isaac company in Europe who will restore the ancient wells of revival in Europe, just like Isaac was able to redig the wells that had been dug in Abraham's day. But if people do not pray, what will the agenda be from what God showed you for Europe? Well, just recently, just about a couple of days ago, I was watching the Bill O'Reilly show, and they were showing this uh, group in Europe that's reason to try to, because they are, they, this group is rising to defend this, uh, to, to fight against the spread of radical Islam in Europe. And this man made a startling statement seed on Bill O'Reilly. He said, do you know, Bill, that 48% of the London stock exchange now is owned by Muslims? He said, we are about to lose our country. Oh. That's amazing, because almost half uh, of Fox News is owned by Muslims right now, that they were even allowed to say that. Uh, but if, if it's not stemmed in Europe, what's their agenda for America? Well, remember, if it's not stemmed in Europe, if it's not stemmed in Europe, America and—, and for, because if you, historically, politically, America and Israel have always been, to some degree, being able to depend on their European allies. Imagine when Europe is under a Muslim agenda, Israel and America are now prime targets for a lot of terrorist attacks because their allies, the traditional allies, the Europeans, are no longer have a, have a strong voice in their own countries. They have been taken over. Now, tell me about the Jewish revival God showed you. Yes, yes. The, uh, 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 the Lord said to me that son, the, the year 2012 to 2022, he said to me, this, uh, this is going to be the decade of destiny. It's going to be called, he said to me, these 10 years are going to be called the golden years of the Melchizedek priesthood. He said that in this decade, the body of Christ is going to enter into its, into its greatest understanding of its priestly and kingly destiny. And as the church rediscovers the order of Melchizedek, there will be a whole new way of presenting the suffering servant of, of, of Isaiah, our Messiah, to the Jewish people. Because most Jewish people historically, because 
because of the way Christians in the Crusades treated the Jewish people, the way Christ sometimes tends to have a negative effect with Jewish people. But if they could see that the Messiah is 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 the is also the Melchizedek who intercepted there, the one uh, member of Judaism they respect the most, Abraham, it will give them a whole fresh look, a whole fresh look that has not been contaminated by uh, uh, history uh, that is authentically Jewish in terms of experience, is that you are going to see the greatest uh, harvest of Jewish people during the, ten, so the next 10 years, 2012 to 2022, that you're going to see more Jewish people saved in the next 10 uh, ten years than you've ever seen at any time, you know, since the days of the apostles. Well, well, you know, Francis, I've sometimes I've wondered, Lord, why? At and I'm 72, and my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel would be saved. Why? Are you giving us all this equipment at my age? All of a sudden, uh, we have technology that is the finest technology in the world. We're we're going to be able to broadcast on every cell phone that is a smartphone in the world live uh, in high definition. Uh, I mean, why, God, are you giving us all of these things? And you've just answered the question, because the next decade is going to be the decade where the spiritual scales are going to come off the eyes of Jewish people. Yes, yes. That's what Jesus said. He said, this next decade, as I'm restoring the understanding of the order of Melchizedek, he said, son, not only with the church itself change its stature because it will understand its kingly and priestly destiny. The Gentile church will rise in power, will rise in stature, but, he says, I'll go after the, the descendants of Abraham in the, in, in the natural, because in the next 10 years, I will represent myself. They will know me as the Melchizedek who met with their ancestor, whom they, their beloved ancestor, Abraham. You know, he said, when they, the, the scales fall off, he said, in the next 10 years, you're about to say, so I'm telling you, I'm excited because, I, I mean, I love the Jewish people, but when the Lord said this, he said, watch this 10 years, you're about to see more recorded salvations of Jewish people coming to the Messiah than at any time since the day of the apostles. I'm like, wow. What has God shown you about the increase of the miraculous, not just by the superstars on TV, but those that have the superstar inside of them, Jesus? What, what has God shown you? That there's about to be such a collective uh, 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 um, manifestation of the miraculous in the body of Christ than we've ever seen before. Because what happens is this: when you, when the body of Christ realizes that our highest calling. Now, this is very important. Our highest calling, if you read the Bible, is not to be apostles, is not to be prophets, not to be teachers, because all of these five-foot ministries, the Bible says, will pass away. Do you know the only thing that remains when you get to Revelation said that we have been bought by the blood to be kings and priests unto God? Apostles don't get into, I mean, those, when, when all the gifts ceased, they said, what remains forever, that will never change, is that we are kings and priests unto God. When we enter that realm, we are going to begin to experience the, the authority of the, the priestly authority and the kingly of authority of the believer mixed together like a double-barreled gun. My God, that's a recipe for miracles. But you know what? If someone doesn't take care of restoring 
their genetics, or as you call it, their genetic salvation, they're going to be sabotaged from walking in their destiny, what God has created us to do. I'm so excited about your book in three CDs. Uh, The book is called Breaking Generational Curses, and you will break every curse permanently, all the way back in your, your genes, all the way back to Adam. You will understand for the first time who you really are. You'll walk into the blessings. Uh, Most Christians, Jewish or Gentile, don't understand the blessings of Abraham. Has that been your experience, Dr. Miles? Yes. You know, most of them don't understand uh, the, the, the blessing of Abraham. And so they just, so what happens is that they, they, the Lord said to me, he said, most of my people when it comes to the blessing of Abraham are short-selling themselves because many people think the blessing of Abraham is having a nice car and living in a nice house, which God wants his people to do all of that seed. But the Lord said there are eight ingredients to the blessing of Abraham that money cannot buy. That you. Oh, I, I'm sorry, this revelation, you've got to get the three CDs and the book available for a gift of $40. This is the Shabbat broadcast. I want to pray over you because the Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord, he's smiling upon you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor. It's going on right now. The Lord is gifting you. Hold your hands out and receive the gifts that he has. The Lord is filling you overflowing with his love right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, in your body right now in the name that is above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Your To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 
281-282-7878.